You are listening to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast, where we talk real life, answer hard questions, and take a deeper practical look at the topics we talk about on a Sunday morning. To learn more about Sunnybrook Church, including our Sunday gathering times and opportunities throughout the week, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org. Today, we are talking with Pastor Jeff Mose. Welcome or welcome back to the Sunnybrook Unscripted Podcast. I'm Lydia Miller here with my dad, Pastor Jeff, and we are on week two of the subject of salvation. So if you miss what we chatted about last week, it might be good to press pause, go back to last week to just kind of get the general context and basis of what we believe about salvation as we jump in um, further into the topic of salvation today. Um, So today I'm excited. We're covering salvation, the assurance of salvation, the struggle with salvation, um, and what that means for us. So I'm curious, how many altar calls did you <laughs> attend as a child? You know, did you ever the, struggle with that? Oh, sure you my goodness. Saying? It's one of my favorite subjects because when I got this down, mm-hmm. it set such freedom for me, uh, especially in kind of my teenage college years when I understood this doctrine. And I had a senior pastor when I first went into youth ministry that really loved to preach and teach on the assurance of salvation, which I thought was a little bit, you know, why give people sort of this? But I think it just sets people free to be able to live the Christian life until you get there. I think you always, and I think it's a tool of the evil one, he, he sort of keeps you inwardly focused, struggling with your salvation, and you never, you know, grow, you never move out in ministry because it's always very me-centered. So... <laughs> And I'm sure you've heard this before, but uh, in high school, every time I sinned, I thought I needed to receive Christ all over again, (laughs) which for a teenager happened often. So if they had an altar call, I go, you know what? It's been a week and I haven't been good. I'm heading back down the aisle and receiving Christ all over again. And that's why... I think this doctrine is so critical to growth in ministry. And those, all those volunteers kind of who had to pray over you week after they, week were probably like, enough, ro- Jeff. rolling their here eyes. Go- here he comes Here again. comes that kid that wants attention. That's right. Doesn't feel good enough. So then how can we be sure? If someone's struggling, that we're joking, but if someone is in that struggle with the assurance of salvation, what... Yeah. What was helpful for you and what encouragement can you give them? Yeah, my lead pastor used to always say this, and I think this is true. You can never assure anybody else of their salvation. Mm -hmm. So I can't assure you of your salvation. You can't assure me of my salvation. There's only two things Scripture talks about Mm -hmm. with regards to the assurance of salvation. One place you can get it is from the Word of God. We talk about Mm -hmm. that often in our discussions on Scripture. Scripture is a great place to go. But the second Scripture talks about is this testimony of the Holy Spirit. Remember in the book of Romans, it says, our spirit bears witness with his spirit that we are the children of God. So those are the two places I think you can gain assurance of salvation. One is the word of God. Secondly is the testimony of the spirit of God. So I think if you struggle with assurance, I think the first place you go is you go to the word of God. Mm -hmm. So 1 John chapter 5, I always like 9 through 13, it comes to a conclusion. And John is writing it to people who are struggling mm-hmm. with their salvation. Mm-hmm. Gnostics would often go back and forth. So he's writing, he's saying, listen, I write these things mm-hmm. to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know. Mm-hmm. And the word in the Greek literally is an emphatic no. Mm-hmm. Not doubt, not wonder, not question, but that you may know beyond a shadow of a doubt. So he's coming to the conclusion of First John and he's saying, listen, I've written this entire book for one purpose and one purpose mm-hmm. only that you may know Mm -hmm. that you have eternal life. 
And, and, and before that, he just says, listen, he who has the Son has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. And it's that simple. If you've mm -hmm. received Christ as your Savior and you understand the character of God, he's not somebody who gives and takes away, mm -hmm. but there's a sense in which once you've been cleansed, by the finished work of Jesus Christ, received him as Savior and Lord of your life, the Spirit of God has taken up residence. Uh, that's not going to be taken from you. John 6 talks about the fact, I give eternal life to them and they shall never mm -hmm. perish. I like that illustration. Mm -hmm. And no one will mm -hmm. snatch them from the mm -hmm. Father's hand. I actually like John chapter 13, Jesus kind of washing the feet of the disciples. Then he inserts this lesson on the assurance of salvation where he gets to Peter and Peter pulls his feet away. He says, listen, he who is bathed, meaning receive Christ as their Savior, needs only to wash his feet. Because I, I think the struggle in the assurance of salvation is you and I go back to this idea of work salvation. Mm -hmm. we, we often think, don't we, that God has this giant scale. Mm -hmm. And if our good deeds outweigh our bad deeds, we go to heaven. But if our bad deeds outweigh our good deeds, then we go to hell. And I think we often begin, and it's a tool of the evil one, begin to think in that sort of a fashion. And so... Jesus said, listen, if you've bathed, meaning you received me as Savior and Lord of your life, mm -hmm. every time you sin, you don't need to bathe all over again. You just need to wash your feet. There's, mm -hmm. a, there's a sense in which when we sin, there's some intimacy that's broken with us and God. Not, mm -hmm. We're not unsaved at that point in time. We're still the children of God, but there's a need, much like a child mm -hmm. who, who's done something, there's a need to be restored and reconciled yeah. in terms of intimacy with God. Uh, that washing our feet mm -hmm. daily confession provides for us, but we don't lose our salvation. So should there be evidence of that salvation? So obviously you've received Christ. I think it's Paul that talks about it. It doesn't mean just keep going, living life how you've been living it. What evidence should we start to see take place in our life yeah. or even lean into in our own lives? Yeah, and again, I always want to go back to the Word of God. The, the only, if there's two things that give you assurance of salvation, the Word of God and the testimony of the Spirit, I'd say when I read Scripture, there's only one evidence of the fact that I've been born again, and that's fruit. Mm -hmm. um, remember in John, or actually in Matthew chapter 13, Jesus says, Grapes are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor figs from thistles. Every good tree bears good fruit. Every bad tree bears bad fruit. Mm -hmm. Um, do you remember he actually cursed the tree that didn't bear? Because there's a sense in which when you and I, John 15, are genuinely connected to the vine of Christ, there's going to be fruit produced in our life. And it really is the only evidence that you and I mm -hmm. belong to Jesus, at least from my reading of Scripture. So there ought to be some evidence, even if it's just a grape mm -hmm. of fruit. Because some people produce mass amounts of fruits and some people... But, but there's got to be some sort of evidence of fruit. Uh, let me just give you a couple. I think there's going to be a sense in which you have a greater desire uh, to spend time with the Lord. Mm -hmm. I think you're going to have a desire for His Word and time spent in that. I think you'll have a greater desire to spend time in prayer. Mm -hmm. I think one of the fruits is going to be you're going to be more conscious of your sin. It's going to mm -hmm. strike you as something that's more offensive mm -hmm. uh, to you and to your relationship with God. I think there's going to be a heart for community and being around believers. I think there's even going to be a heart for the lost. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the fruits of the evidence of the fact that you belong to God. All of those kinds of things I think you should see in your life. And if you're, if you're in an honest relationship with other people, like I have an accountability, if mm -hmm. you say to them, listen, do you see fruit in my life? Mm -hmm. I think it'd be a good way uh, for you to say, listen, I, I, I'm struggling. 
struggling with whether or not I really know Christ. Do, do you see evidence of fruit in my life, fruit of righteousness, fruit of desire for God, fruit of desire for ministry and those mm -hmm. kinds of things? Because the only evidence I see in Scripture with regards mm -hmm. uh, to the fact that we genuinely belong to Christ mm -hmm. is fruit. So if we get, I actually got this question from a college student the other day, so I thought, what better thing to do than ask you just in a podcast off the cuff? Mm -hmm. But if we see in Scripture multiple times, or maybe just at least once, where we hear that Jesus is going to judge the living and the dead, that was the verse that she specifically referred to, a um, couple questions. What does that mean, Jesus is going to judge the living? But then also, what does it mean, the dead? Does that mean I, I go to heaven and then eventually Jesus does then look at my life and I'm judged and then I get kicked out? Yeah, again, Jesus, because of who he is and what he's done, being fully God, is actually the one who's going to be seated on the throne and deal with these issues. There's, there's really two places of judgment in Scripture. One is Revelation chapter 20 where it talks about the great white throne judgment. Mm -hmm. Believers in Jesus Christ will never stand there. You and I will pass over mm -hmm. a great white throne. But those who never receive Christ in this life will stand before the great white throne judgment. Their names will be found to not be in the book of life. Mm -hmm. And they'll spend eternity separated from God. Mm -hmm. But there is another judgment. We often call it, Scripture calls it, the Bema judgment seat, where you and I will receive rewards for what we've done in this life. So uh, there's a sense in which believers in Jesus Christ, the only way you get to heaven into the presence of God is through the finished work of Jesus Christ and mm -hmm. you receiving him. And then there is a moment in time when you and I are in heaven and now we'll stand at the Bema, which actually has Greek roots. It's this, mm. you know, it refers to the Olympics, how they would put wreaths and crowns on people, whether they finish first or second and third. And I don't think it's going to be like that. But it's just simply this idea that when we stand in heaven someday for what we've done, uh, that has honored God. There's going to be crowns. There's going to be wreaths. There's going to be hmm. rewards that are given to hmm. us uh, for what we've done in this life. Hmm. Um, but I get concerned sometimes because I know some faiths would teach that there is some sort of a judgment refining that takes place before we get to heaven, often between yep. this life and the next life. Hmm. Uh, sometimes they'll call it purgatory. Mm -hmm. Uh, that scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 that they pull that idea from actually is referring to the beam of judgment seat hmm. after you're in heaven, hmm. what will take place. Uh, I remind people always, if they know one Greek word, and nobody wants to know Greek except pastors, <laughs> but the Greek word is tetelestai. Remember Jesus hmm. cried on mm -hmm. the cross, it is finished. The word tetelestai is actually in the perfect tense. Perfect tense is sort of this combination of aorist, past tense, and present tense. Mm -hmm. It's very seldom found in all of Scripture. But one of the places that it's found, and the idea of a perfect tense is just simply this past action that has consequences for all of eternity. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, listen, it is finished. It's finished now. Mm -hmm. But the consequences of sort of this sacrificial system and the finished work of Jesus Christ and what it's done for us not only works now, but it works for all of eternity. Mm -hmm. So I just think, and it goes back to the assurance of salvation, people got to rest in that. Mm -hmm. They got to rest in the fact that when I receive Christ as my Savior and I've yielded and surrendered my life to Him, uh, He cried out, it's finished, mm -hmm. uh, past and for all of eternity. So I don't have to fear sort of some judgment between this life and the next. It's mm -hmm. all been taken care mm -hmm. of in the finished work of Jesus mm -hmm. Christ. Awesome.
Not bad for off the cuff, PJ. That was pretty good. Uh, but I would encourage you, if you are struggling with the assurance of salvation, First John, what did you give? Five, Five, nine through 13. Yep. Spend some time in that scripture. And again, if you ever have questions that you want us to answer or tackle um, on this podcast, if you want me to give them to him off the cuff and we can see what all he actually knows, I would love to. So make sure you join us again. We'll see you next week. If you are encouraged by today's talk, be sure to rate us and hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcasts. To experience other talks, videos, and live gatherings, visit us online at sunnybrookchurch.org or download the Sunnybrook Church app. And again, thanks for listening to the Sunnybrook Community Church Podcast.